Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Peraldino Joey, or Joey Wygen. Purple Mafia is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Double Twist, and other publications where the feed reaches to, I'm sure, on your mobile devices, which is highly recommended, of course. So you could be on the go listening to Paladino Live. No, listening to Purple Mafia in the Paladino Live Network, which I'd like to call it, which it kind of unofficially is, I guess, right now. We have our Super Bowl set. It's going to be a sea of red, ladies and gentlemen, a sea of red. San Francisco will be playing against the Kansas City Chiefs. So there it is. There's your sea of red. But we won't get into that until segment number two. Segment number one is going to be a very brief little kind of get caught up at the Viking situation. Well, the Minnesota Vikings need an offensive coordinator. Kevin Stefanski, as you already know, is the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. And Richard Sherman is all bent out of shape about it. At least he was on Twitter. We'll talk about that in segment number two. I I, I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah. Some people think it's a crappy hire. Some people think it's a good hire. A lot of us believe he's, you know, I mean, our opinions against San Francisco, well, maybe. (laughs) Did Green Bay's offense look that stellar against San Francisco? Well, I guess in some moments in the second half it looked a little better. The first half it looked even worse than the Vikings offense. But I think uh, the quarterback had a little something to do with it. Quarterback Aaron Rodgers versus Kirk Cousins. I think Aaron Rodgers is a little more battle-tested than old Kirk, uh, Captain Kirk, who, yeah, I don't know. He just, I don't know. Uh, we'll talk about that some more. We'll probably continue on that and even in this segment very briefly of the direction of the Vikings, and we'll just keep doing that. The first segment will be Vikings-related. Second segment, postseason-related. This kind of, that kind of, this and that. Well, are you ready for me to have some reckless speculation about the uh, offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator situation? Because, of course, yes, George Edwards will no longer be the defensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings, and Mr. Gray, also uh, defensive back coach, will no longer be with the Minnesota Vikings either. So some changes are in the mix. But are you ready for some reckless specula- speculation Pardon me, uh, to get this thing rolling? You're not going to get any, because guess what? Who do you think the Vikings' uh, new offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator will be? Is it going to be uh, like a uh, Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan situation? Maybe. Well, hopefully it's a successful because Kyle Shanahan is the uh, probably going to win the Super Bowl this year, I think. There's a pretty good chance the 49ers are going to win. That's kind of foreshadowing a little bit. Um, boy, hmm, my pick going into this weekend to not only get there but win it did not work out. But, well, both of these teams were on a drive. They sure will. Uh, they sure were, and i just uh, overly excited to get into that segment. But I think it's more than likely going to be Clint Kubiak for the offensive coordinator. Uh, pretty much everybody's speculating that that's exactly where we're heading. Clint Kubiak, the son of Gary Kubiak. And Adam Zimmer may very well be the uh, defensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings, son of Mike Zimmer. Do you see the picture? Father, son, father, son. Well, it could very well be heading that way. Andre Patterson has been very successful. That defensive line could be another choice for defensive coordinator. Don't be surprised, though. I mean, Mike Zimmer is probably going to be making all the play calls anyway. Adam Zimmer will be kind of running things, this and that. And God bless him. He was the linebackers coach. Andre Patterson, the defensive line coach. Clint Kubiak coming into, you know, as obviously the quarterback coach and now possibly the offensive coordinator. Most people believe that will happen. So the Gary Kubiak offense will be very much in play, which did a good job this year. I just wish we, I don't know. (laughs) Well, we're talking about extensions possibly for the coach, the general manager, and the quarterback. Do I want to give Kirk Cousins an extension after the uh, exciting win versus New Orleans, or did reality set in very quickly when we headed to San Francisco? 
Yes, it did. Do I want to give Kirk Cousins an extension? I don't. I don't. Um, I think it's just kind of a trial and error. Head into the final season, draft a quarterback. That's my approach going into the, the offseason with the Minnesota Vikings at the quarterback position. I, I, they're not going to win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. I'd be shocked beyond belief because he's one of those kind of guys where a lot of things need to be going correctly. And every quarterback, a lot of things need to be going correctly. I mean, look at uh, Aaron Rodgers. He had a great defense. He had a pretty good running back. He had some good wide receivers. Still didn't win the Super Bowl. They're just not good enough sometimes. Sometimes they're just not good enough because they ran into a freight train called the San Francisco 49ers. That's a damn good football team. Uh, the two teams that went to the Super Bowl this year earned it like like you wouldn't believe. Last year, the Patriots kind of squeezed past the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Maybe a little favorable call here and there in Foxborough. Yeah. And then a very unfavorable call against the New Orleans Saints last year on the final play of the game, pretty much. Oh, so, a little different last year. I loved seeing the Patriots win again um, because I like Tom Brady. You know, go ahead and say all the mean things you can say. It's okay. It's okay. It's, it is what it is. Uh, wasn't a Saints fan. Not a big Rams fan. Not a big Jared Goff fan. I think he got exposed pretty harshly last year in the Super Bowl. And, well, <laughs> as uh, this season progressed, it didn't look so good either. So that's just my belief. Um, I think the Minnesota Vikings need to, you know, head towards the draft for a quarterback. Signing a quarterback in free agency, how many times has it really led to anything? I mean, the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl with uh, Peyton Manning as the quarterback, but did, was he really the reason why they won that Super Bowl, or was he just kind of part of the show? Peyton Manning, at that stage, was part of the show. He played his final game in that Super Bowl, and Von Miller and co. tore that Carolina Panthers team a new one. I mean, they beat the crap out of that team. They embarrassed Cam Newton. They made him look like a fool. You can say what you want about Cam Newton, but that Denver defense put him in his place like you wouldn't believe. Uh, very talented team, good defense, talented quarterback, but Denver tore them a new one. And, well, you know, I mean, Peyton Manning, the opening drive, he looked pretty exciting. Looked like the Peyton Manning of the uh, Indianapolis Colts or earlier days with the, the uh, Denver Broncos there, but really ever since after that, not so much. So uh, that's about the only time. And it was Peyton Manning who was like the best defense ever. And Gary Kubiak was the coach. So, look at it that way. Uh, Payne Manning has had a lot more success in his career than Kirk Cousins. He knows when presence is uh, when, when uh, pressure is coming. He knows how to sense it. He knew, you know, let's go past tense. Kirk Cousins has just never been all that great at it. He was better this year than he'd certainly been in the past. Uh, he certainly was, but against San Francisco, it's just kind of reality set in. Against Green Bay, reality set in. If you're going to win the Super Bowl, you got to beat teams like Green Bay and San Francisco. You, you have to. You have to beat teams like Chicago. Um, it's okay. You can beat up on Detroit. That's fine. Go ahead and beat up on Detroit. That's nice. Those are wins that you need to have. But you got to do more. Um, you got to do more. You got to be able to beat Green Bay in Green Bay. You got to be able to beat Green Bay in U.S. Bank Stadium, too. That might help. That might help a little bit. Um, you got to be able to win games like uh, against San Francisco if you're really going to be su- uh, super serious about winning a Super Bowl because, well, they're the NFC champs. To me, it just kind of is what it is. I mean, the quarterback position is too expensive, this and that. If you want to give him a significant pay cut, he's willing to take it to open up some cap space to uh, maybe improve the offensive line, this and that, that would be nice, but it sounds like he ain't taking a pay cut. So draft a quarterback, and he's the quarterback for next year, and that's it. That's it. Unless he leads you to a Super Bowl and you win it, then go ahead and extend him until, you know, until he's 40 years old. Go ahead. 
It is what it is. You want a Super Bowl. That's what we want. That's what we want. Getting to the Super Bowl isn't enough. Just win the damn thing. It's about time. Um, I'm sure Kansas City fans are thinking that right now. They've had to wait 50 years. I loved uh, hearing what they had to say, because this is still the Vikings segment right now. Oh, they're talking about, it's been 50 years since we've been to the Super Bowl. Yeah, but you won it. Screw you. You know, 50 years ago, you won the Super Bowl. And who did you beat in that Super Bowl? Oh, that's right. The 1969 Minnesota Vikings. You know, the year where I call it the curse of 69, 50 years ago, where the Vikings postseason disappointment began. That's where it all started. That's where it all started. Screw you guys. Go ahead and tell me that uh, about your, your, oh, cry me a river. You haven't been to the Super Bowl in 50 years. You know what? Yeah, that's a long damn time. But you, but you won and you beat us. And we have not won a Super Bowl. So, again, cry me a river. At, at least you won it, and you beat us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, schmucks. All the respect in the world. Good luck to them. Uh, San Francisco last won their Super Bowl in 94. I can't believe it's been that long for that successful franchise. Oh, yeah, oh, they've been kind of hit and miss for so damn long. A couple of good seasons here and there that didn't lead to a whole lot. And then 2012 was extremely promising. And they just, you know, Randy Moss just could not bring it in in his final game in the NFL. Oh, I can't believe it's been that long, by the way. And then 2011, like the tip of, uh, uh, what was that guy's name, Manning? Manningham, Manningham of the uh, New York Giants was able to bring it in. A miracle play, and it's been a bounce off of a 49ers uh, kick returner in that game as well. Helped cost them against the New York Giants. Just the stars were aligned for that Giants team. Um, miracles happened where the ball just barely bounced off of the 49ers kick returner in that game. So, amazing, uh, amazing situation there. In 2011, they could have won the Super Bowl that year, too. Aaron Rodgers could have been a part of the uh, the uh, San Francisco 49ers, this and that. So, I'm already jumping ahead. I don't know. It almost could be just one big segment, but I'm not going to do it that way. I probably should, but I don't know. Um, we're probably looking at, again, George Edger's replacement for the uh, Minnesota Vikings defensive coordinator to be, well, <laughs> Adam Zimmer or Andre Patterson. I would not be surprised if it's Adam Zimmer, but Andre Patterson deserves significant uh, consideration, though, just to be fair, I mean, for crying out loud. But if you want the the young guy that could show some promise, maybe he could really, uh, maybe he could take over the range of that defense. We'll see. Uh, George Edwards, unfortunately, didn't get to call the plays, and, well, he'll get a new opportunity somewhere, hopefully, for his sake. And then uh, Gray also relieved of his duties, basically, or just not brought back, so to speak, contract up and not bringing him back. That's kind of like firing. That's basically what the Minnesota Wild did to Chuck Fletcher. Like, we're not bringing you back. So it's basically firing. Firing without firing. Um, so we'll be getting a new defensive backs coach as well. We'll see what happens with that. And offensive coordinator is probably going to be Clint Kubiak. It's not going to be a very exciting, like, oh my God, you know, out of nowhere. And sometimes those, oh my God, out of nowhere guys are not good. Um, or a guy that's been uh, highly touted. Oh my goodness, oh, he's this awesome quarterback coach for this this Philadelphia team. Remember? Well, he got fired again. John Filippo is no longer the offensive coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars either. A lot of people thought he was this red-hot guy who was going to be the next, you know, Sean McVay, Sean Payton, Sean this, Sean that, uh, Kyle Shanahan. Chip Kelly, okay, Chip Kelly. <laughs> yeah, at, luck, at best he's Chip Kelly, this and that. Um, too pass-oriented for Mike Zimmer, that's for sure, but also just not a very good coordinator. Kind of a, kind of a you know, close-minded, my-way-or-the-highway kind of coordinator. Uh, if you're not going to think and collaborate a little bit better than that, you're probably not going to be very successful 
uh, the higher up you go in any professional sport. So that's just my take on that. Congratulations in advance, I guess, for Quinn Kubiak, uh, Adam Zimmer, or uh, Andre Patterson, so to, so to speak, when it comes to the defensive coordinator side. But more than likely, Quinn Kubiak is your OC for your 2020 MN Minnesota Purple Vikings. With that said, we'll take a quick break and jump right into the, uh, well, jump right into the main course of this show. Here on Purple Mafia, segment number two, postseason, postseason, and postseason. Tennessee Titans had a lot of uh, former Vikings on their roster, at least a few. You got to hear Michael Pruitt. You got to get some, uh, he made a couple catches in there. You got to see Blazing Game make an appearance, at least a couple out there. Fullback for the Tennessee Titans. What a nice season it was for them. Uh, Derrick Henry, what an amazing run. I mean, he had three straight games with 180 yards. On the ground, unbelievable run. <sighs> that came to an end today. That came to a screeching halt, but certainly not after uh, the Tennessee Titans took a significant lead in the game, which was nice to see. Took a 10-0 lead. They took a 17-7 to lead. You thought Tennessee was going to be fine. I was ready to say, hey, I told you so. Told you so. I'm telling you, Tennessee's not only going to win this game, they're going to win the Super Bowl. They're the team of destiny this year. They're stopping everybody. Derrick Henry's running all over everyone. Ryan Tannehill's accurate. He's clutch. He's solid. And then Patrick Mahomes just got going. And it's like you sit back and remember last week when the uh, Kansas City Chiefs were down 24 nothing, And Patrick Mahomes basically just said, okay, let's stop screwing around here. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And they, they, let's go. They sure did. And that's basically what happened this week as well. Not quite 51 points like a 51 to 7 point demolition derby after a 21 or 24 nothing deficit like last week but still kind of similar kind of sorta Patrick Mahomes completing everything he needed to and the run he made oh my that was uh poof that was devastating that was devastating when it put the uh, Chiefs up for the first time at the end of the second quarter I mean it's like okay Tennessee's still hanging on I mean Tyreek Hill with his blazing speed and his, his catching ability very talented guy not necessarily a featured player all the time in the offense, but when he is, he's really something. He has got that speed. He's he's tough to keep up with. Again, a littler guy with a ton of speed. Kind of like, I guess you could say he's the Percy Harvin. You definitely could say he's the Percy Harvin of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs in a lot of ways. But the backbreaker, the absolute backbreaker, was when the Chiefs were making a bit of a run. Hopefully the Tennessee Titans can keep them to uh, having to attempt a long field goal, something like that. Maybe even force the Chiefs to punt. You had an opportunity where Patrick Mahomes could have been sacked twice on the play. He broke both tackles, just kept going. He broke about three more tackles along the way, including multiple players within the last two yards or so. And what is that noise? (laughs) Noise going on outside like always. Um, Patrick Mahomes just kind of swivers right through them, swivels right through them into the end zone. Just an absolute backbreaker. The Chiefs take their first lead and never relinquish it. Tennessee wouldn't score again until they made it 24-35 to after trailing 35-17. to And I was just like, oh boy, I feel so, so, so crappy now. I mean, I was, uh, 
I was uh, feeling pretty good about this Tennessee team. I mean, they looked awfully damn good. But Kansas City, I mean, just the drive of Patrick Mahomes, and it's very much contagious throughout that team. Um, he, he, he did a hell of a job. He truly did. Uh, he truly, truly did. The fan base there is pretty crazy, pretty rabid, and crazily, they still do that, uh, that <laughs> at least they still do the chop, just like they do in Atlanta for the Atlanta Braves. They still do that stuff, but hey, it's uh, it's the crowd in unison enjoying it, and God bless them. Love their uniforms, love their colors. I love like red and yellow, you know, like Atlanta Hawks, teams like that, Calgary Flames, you know, sea of red, this and that. That's what they call it in Calgary. More of an orange color, but it's a red-orange. Kansas City, it's kind of like a bright red. and uh, Well, it's a little bit of an orangish red, but it's a, more of a bright red. They look a lot like the Atlanta Hawks, I'd have to say. But um, and then they got that yellow. Love the uniforms, love their color scheme. Just absolute backbreaker, though. That touchdown at the end with 11 seconds remaining. Looked like they had Mahomes pinned to a point where maybe it would be a short punch or a very long field goal attempt. They had him pinned, and away he went. That was just oofta. Oh, man, 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 man. Because, <laughs> again, I mean, I like Tennessee. I like the Tennessee Titans. I do. Uh, I, I like Ryan Tannehill. Amazed what Derrick Henry is able to do. Just one goofy comment is what my sister-in-law made a week ago. They're actually all the way back to the Patriots game. Uh, that ponytail sticking out of his helmet looks a lot like something. I believe I talked about that last year. We'll leave that alone. Just fill in the blag. It looks nasty, but uh, God bless him. What an amazing run he had until this game. 69 yards on the ground. They contained him pretty well, which we'll see what happens because San Francisco and their run offense, we'll see. Will, will they be able to contain that? I don't know. Uh, Derrick Henry was the best running back in the game, but will they be, be able to contain what San Francisco is able to do? Because I think they're a little bit better at it, obviously. Uh, San Francisco was 13-3 and this year for a reason. Uh, Tennessee, 9-7, and but they look like a 12-4 and team at least, 11-5 and at the very least during the course of this postseason. They did an awesome job, and uh, Mike Vrabel deserves a lot of credit, did a hell of a job. Former days of the Tennessee, uh, excuse me, the uh, New England Patriots, the only guy to come out of that organization to really have success as a head coach in the NFL. I mean, so many guys from the Belichick tree did not work out, generally speaking. But uh, Mike Vrabel, great job, great job. Obviously, obviously a former player during the Super Bowl years, caught several postseason touchdowns as well, was a big factor during those three Super Bowl era, the uh, the early eras of uh, Tom Brady, before he turned 30. Then as he turned 30, he had that 16-0 season with the Randy Moss uh, acquisition for only a fourth-round pick. What an amazing move that truly was. And, uh, boy, whew, Randy Moss, unbelievable. Unbelievable career. He truly uh, had with uh, New England Patriots short-lived, though. Bill Belichick saw he was losing some of that speed, and very quickly he would decline into just a mediocre wide receiver with good hands, and that's pretty much what happened. Uh, And he uh, sure made us look dumb that year, too. (laughs) Crazy, crazy, when you sit down and analyze that. So, uh... Well, Kansas City, I mean, they look like a team on a mission. They truly do. San Francisco also looks like a team on a mission. So it's a collision course that was very much uh, very much the case. A lot of people were actually picking San Francisco, Kansas City uh, when this Final Four was put together. And good on them for picking it. They picked the right teams. They surely did. Some people probably had these two in there weeks before. 
once New England was out, and of course Baltimore being out, that was the ultimate uh, end for most teams stopping Kansas City. And it's like, I have the strangest memory sometimes. I can remember anything, you know, sometimes I can remember stuff from the 80s, like it was yesterday. And then it's like, you know what? For some strange reason, I thought the AFC Championship game was played in Arrowhead last year, but no, it was played in Foxborough. It was, and well, the Patriots were able to barely get past the Chiefs, and this year, the Chiefs at home and against a team that was only 9-7, and seven, but very, very much a threat to win the AFC this year. Kansas City just kind of took it to them after that start. That's what concerns me about, you know, my prediction coming up, because <laughs> San Francisco's chances of winning at all, I think, are outstanding. I haven't even gotten to that game yet. But uh, it's going to be a hell of a game. It truly is. Kansas City looks like a team that deserved to win the AFC, and they really lived up to it. They truly did. When they faced some adversity this year, Patrick Mahomes missed three games, and then frickin' Matt Moore beat the Vikings in Arrowhead because the Vikings never win in Arrowhead. I mean, we're dating back into the, the 1970s, the last time the Vikings won in that building. So, good for us. <laughs> that was frustrating. The last time we won in Kansas City, which was once, Arrowhead was not standing yet. So, that's kind of funny how that works. That was the early 70s. Um, we just cannot beat that team. Cannot beat the Kansas City Chiefs in, in Arrowhead. Uh, failed forever. That was a big win for Kansas City. That was a turning point where, you know, they could have been really pushed down and never had a first-round bye at all. It could have easily happened when Patrick Mahomes was injured. Um, and they just kind of hung in there. And that win against the Vikings, I think, is a big, big boost. Because what if Kansas City never got the uh, the first-round bye? Maybe they would have gotten knocked out. They would have had to play on the road today, possibly, uh, depending on who was uh, still alive out there. Who knows? Who knows what would have happened? Uh Maybe it would have wound up this way anyway. Very good chance it would have. Maybe they would have played Tennessee in the first round. Who knows? Maybe they would have gotten knocked out in the first round against Tennessee if they were like the number three seed, like the New England Patriots were. That's probably what would have happened, and you would have had a totally different AFC Championship game. Not saying that Tennessee would have knocked them out necessarily, but that's probably what would have happened. It would have been these two teams in the first round. I mean, three versus six. And if Tennessee knocks out KC, well, wow, Tennessee probably goes to the Super Bowl. Probably, because they beat the Patriots, they beat the Baltimore Ravens. Those are the other two teams that would have had the uh, the first round bye. So, fascinating how history can be changed with, uh, you know, just Kansas City flat out outplaying us. Uh, a beatable defense in Kansas City, but Spagnuolo's creative enough. He just gets it done. He forces quarterbacks to make turnovers. Uh, frustrating plays, this and that, disguising defensive sets, disguising blitzes the way he does, changing things around. He's a very creative guy, and he won the Super Bowl with the New York Giants in 2007 and did a hell of a job that year. A lot of people thought, oh, he was probably overrated. It was just the personnel on the field. That's the only reason he won, but no, he's a pretty good defensive coordinator. Certainly not perfect, but he's damn good, and he's he's been there, in the, he's been there before. He's been in the Super Bowl, and he's won it, so... It's an interesting group of guys over there. Andy Reid, will he finally get over the hump? He gets back to his second Super Bowl in a row. Dr. Robotnik, a lot of us like the Hedgehog fans that grew up with the Sega Genesis and beyond. But starting with the Sega Genesis, of course, when it comes to Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, yeah, when, once Andy Reid got that red warm-up with the Kansas City Chiefs, and, of course, he's got that mustache, <laughs> it's, he's Dr. Robotnik right there. I mean, the glasses and everything. Dr. Robotnik, obviously the villain of uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. He's he's the he's the one. But hell of a job by Kansas City. They whew, they really overcame a lot of things. And well, that win against the Vikings was 
you know, that was a big one. That was a real big one. Because if they were 11-5, and five, uh, they, aren't, they aren't getting home field in the first round. You know, they're not getting the first round by. They're, they're going to get the third. Uh, they're they're going to host the first wildcard game against the Tennessee Titans, and who knows what would happen on that day. Maybe the Chiefs wouldn't be ready for it. Maybe they would. But the confidence they gained last week after going down 24 nothing could end up propelling them to Super Bowl title. It very well could. A lot of people thought that uh, the Chiefs were going to win the Super Bowl this year, and I picked them to win the Super Bowl. I actually picked them to win over the uh, New Orleans Saints at the beginning of the season. Maybe my initial prediction will be right of the Chiefs winning it. But, you know, because I didn't see San Francisco being this good. I did not see it. I did not see San Francisco being this good. I thought they would compete. I thought maybe they'd make the playoffs. Maybe they'd lose in the wild card. Maybe they'd lose as a road team in the division. Something like that. But as we shift over to the NFC, we boy, the right team won the NFC this year. Oh, my. They deserved to have that number one seed with their name on it. And, oh, my, it will be a sea of red in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 54. They destroyed the Minnesota Vikings the way they did. Remember how it was 14-10 to 10 at halftime? And you thought, well, at least the Vikings are still in the game. We, we get that field goal at the end, a touchdown that should have tied the bleeping game, but I don't know, a, a big miss, a goal line play that would have been a sure touchdown, underthrown by Kirk Cousins that I think cost the Vikings dearly there. That could have tied the game up, and who knows? Not quite the case with Green Bay and San Francisco. It was 27 to nothing. It looked like New York Giants versus New Minnesota Vikings all over again in San Francisco. Definitely a different story. Uh, if this game was in Green Bay, though, with how cold it's been this weekend, <laughs> I think it would have been a different story, I do. Maybe, but uh, maybe not. Maybe this San Francisco team was ready to go. And with their game plan in today's game, uh, in the cold, that's how you do it. I mean, their game plan was... Pretty similar to what they did against Minnesota. Of course, different wrinkles. Jimmy Garoppolo had a ton of uh, successful play-action plays. He certainly completed on his first four, and they were all big plays down the field that were absolutely killer to Minnesota down the stretch. But then those consecutive running plays that wound up like six, seven, eight, six, seven, eight, six, seven, eight down the field. Uh, or, I mean, up up the middle with the mustard and such. Mo- the all the mustard man mustard yeah what an amazing day he had oh my um but just that constant pounded through the minnesota vikings gut literally punched us in the gut over and over and over and it was uh, it proved to be a fatal blow a fatal blow to the minnesota vikings that absolutely buried us in that third quarter uh timberwolves style timberwolves always had the worst third quarters and they're still doing that uh, but a 27 nothing thrashing in that first half pretty much put the Packers in a position where well if they score some points great it'll make the score look a little prettier and they did and San Francisco added a little field goal at the end there to kind of like put them on ice once and for all obviously a couple of first downs along the way would wrap that up but the field goal is pretty much what wrapped it up in a lot of ways and and an unsuccessful uh, Hail Mary pass from Aaron Rodgers along the way that ended up being intercepted by the same son of a gun that I don't like, Richard Sherman. That was the official dagger of the game where the 49ers merely needed to run the clock out at that point because the Packers used their timeouts around the five-minute mark as San Francisco was rushing for a couple of first downs. Uh, Mossard was just unstoppable. 220 yards on the ground, bell cow type of day, 29 rushes. I mean, 7.6 to carry. What more can you say? Uh, He did have a long of 36 which is a big number, but imagine if it's like 70 or something. See, that's when you get your 7.6. 
I mean, and how many times do you see a running back get like a 70-yard carry and he had 180 yards or 167 yards and his average is about five? Think about that, though. I mean, just, just, just think about that when you sit and analyze what took place today against the Green Bay Packers. A team that absolutely shut us down. Shut us down, buried us, humiliated freaking Kirk Cousins in the worst way. Made him look like garbage in both games. In, in, in our own house, they made us look like garbage. That was our first home loss of the year, and boy, was it a big one. It was a dagger. Forget about winning a division. Forget about any home field. Forget about any first-round bleeping by. Forget about all that garbage. And Raheem Mostert just runs right through him over and over and over, just like he did to the Minnesota Vikings, and actually did it more so. Absolutely obliterated this team. Time and time again, Mostert would run up there and into the end zone and just escape into the end zone. Four touchdowns total. <sighs> Boy, if this is a fantasy Super Bowl for somebody, which obviously it isn't because it's the postseason, uh, I guess there's such thing as postseason fantasy football, which is kind of silly, but... Boy, uh, that guy, whew, monster, MVP right there, MVP. And imagine if this was the Super Bowl. He's get those keys ready to that to that vehicle, whatever it is that goes to the MVP uh, player. Like duh, like duh. <laughs> Here's the keys, buddy. Just just take them. I mean, just take the keys. Forget the forget the ceremony or anything. Just just take the keys. It doesn't. I mean, it, <laughs> there's not even a not. I mean, why do we even need to present it to anybody? Because we already know who it is. That's how good this guy was in this game. And, well, the game plan was good, too. Like I said last week, this San Francisco 49ers team reminds me of the 97-98 Denver Broncos. And I'm telling you, they look like the 98 Broncos, where they just steamrolled through everybody. 97, they had to go on the road, and they had to earn it, and they freaking did. They did a hell of a job against Green Bay in that Super Bowl. It was a pretty close game, but the 97 Packers were awesome. Uh, much as I hated them, they were awesome. Brett Favre was in his prime, they had uh, one good player after another. They had Levens. They had this guy. They had that guy. Oh, man. I'm, they lost Bennett, but uh, Edgar Bennett that year. But Darcy Levens was awesome. They had a very strong defense, and they had the best quarterback in the world that year. Uh, one good receiver after another. They had Chewy. You could go on forever. So it was a tough go for uh, the Denver Broncos, but they gutted it out with Mike Shanahan and co. And they had the best running back I've ever seen. I mean, other than, of course, Walter Payton, but... Unfortunately, Walter Payton was a teeny tiny bit before my time. Uh, unfortunately, and I mean just a teeny tiny, teeny, teeny, teensy, weensy bit before my time. That's the best, best running back that ever suited up in the NFL. We'll talk about him a tiny bit in segment number three coming up. But uh, the San Francisco team, I think they're the best team. I think this is the best team standing right now. I, I truly do. Uh, Garoppolo didn't even have to throw the ball in, in this game. Only eight attempts. He did what he needed to. He was only sacked once. Just a damn good game plan against a team that, well, gets to the quarterback. They get to the quarterback. They force turnovers. They force failures, this and that. But instead, it went that way against uh, the Green Bay Packers, and Aaron Rodgers had to keep passing. He was very accurate in the game. It was one of his best games in a long time in terms of accuracy, completing the ball down the field, a couple of interceptions along the way. That just, you know, it just was a tough situation, this and that for Aaron Rodgers, obviously. Had to throw the ball, had to force a couple plays. And, of course, the final interception was what it was. He was uh, strip-sacked on a play as well. Actually, that was not his fault. This one was a four-exchange down the stretch. Uh, and then another one that was recovered by Green Bay also that was not lost. Um, just a tough situation overall. Uh, this 49ers team knows how to force turnovers. They know how to force fumbles especially. I just think, you know, I mean, as good as 
as good as uh, <laughs> as good as Patrick Mahomes is, it, it could happen. I mean, that's the best thing you could do against Patrick Mahomes is force a fumble. Uh, interceptions happen once in a while, but he's just, you know, he's an elite player. It's going to be extremely tough to bring him down on occasion. Of course, he's got that mobility, and he showed it. And that's how the Kansas City Chiefs would win the Super Bowl, is just not being able to get to Patrick Mahomes, the mobility, the accuracy down the field. He can do just about anything he wants out there. Garoppolo has capability to be pretty good, though. And he showed it against the Minnesota Vikings in a big way. He seems pretty unflappable to me. Um, He does. He's better than Jared Goff. He's a lot better than Jared Goff, I think, right now. And some people might be like, whoa, but... And I don't mean even better than Jared Goff. Jared Goff has the talent. He has the skills. But I think he's better set mentally. He, he He's stronger mentally. I mean, think about who he played behind for years in uh, New England. You know how Aaron Rodgers played behind Brett Favre. And he learned what to do and what not to do just by watching. Uh, he was very rude and disrespectful to Brett Favre. Jimmy Garoppolo, I can't imagine him having that same problem in New England. But uh, literally just playing behind that guy in Tom Brady and how good he was, Garoppolo, in the games he played for the New England Patriots when Brady was suspended for Deflategate. <laughs> Deflategate, I just I just love that goofy name, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Deflategate, um, as well as he played. You know, I mean, it was just clearly he knows how to play the position, and he's seen it all. He's he's seen it all uh, with that, with that uh, Patriots team. And if anything, at bare minimum, he's like the new Steve Young in the, in the sense of he played behind, you know, Steve Young played behind Joe Montana in a couple of Super Bowls there in the late 80s and continued to learn and continued to get better. And I think Garoppolo, similar thing with the uh, with Tom Brady now and becoming the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, as long as he stays healthy, which unfortunately got hurt last year at the very beginning of the year. But with this defense that forces turnovers, this running game that is elite, I just think, I think San Francisco's a little better. I think San Francisco's a little better. Uh, Green Bay was a very tough team all season. The Vikings were in the game in Lambeau Field, but Green Bay just kind of kept getting better as the season progressed. And, you know, they look like a pretty tough team that could get to the Super Bowl. I just figured San Francisco was probably going to knock them out. Maybe the uh, New Orleans Saints, if, they, if the Saints knocked the Vikings out in the first round, that they'd be a really, really, really tough opponent. Um... But to me, San Francisco, as you head into the Sea of Red Super Bowl, which is what it is, it is the Sea of Red, San Francisco versus Kansas City. I just think San Francisco's probably going to win this thing because of their defense in the running game. And Garoppolo will complete what he needs to. Patrick Mahomes is going to put in a hell of an effort. Um, The Shanahans win Super Bowls, man. The Shanahans win Super Bowls. Andy Reid has not won the Super Bowl. Uh, God bless him if he does. Maybe it's just his year, and Kansas City's going to bring in their first Super Bowl in 50 years, much to our chagrin 50 years ago. (sighs) Just further proof that uh, our weight is just like eternal. It just feels like eternal. I mean, Kansas City beats us 50 years ago. We never win one all these 50 years. We, We got there three more times and haven't gotten there in over 40 years since then. We got there three more times in the following seven years or so down there uh, with uh, Fran Tarkenton moving forward there into the early to mid-70s. <laughs> and then we never go back, and then all these years later, still never got back. Heartbreaking losses in NFC title games, blowout losses in NFC title games. We've seen both. We've seen three heartbreaking losses, and we've seen multiple uh, blowouts as well. 
uh, way back in the, uh, the the late 70s, early 80s, 1980, I believe, Vikings lost the NFC Championship game to Philadelphia. And then uh, 87 was the heartbreaking loss. Uh, 98, extremely heartbreaking. 2000, blowout, disgusting loss. Uh, sorry to go through this again. 2009, about as heartbreaking as it gets. I mean, it's about as heartbreaking as it gets. I can't even fathom. And then 2017, another blowout, East Coast Demolition Derby. Uh, harkens back to the days of uh, 41 Donut. Yep, so painful stuff. And But then Kansas City emerges and wins the Super Bowl against one of the greatest franchises in professional sports history, San Francisco 49ers. Yes, that would be just unbelievable and extremely frustrating to see that happen. It would be more painful. San Francisco winning their sixth, I have no problem with that. I'd be happy about it uh, because of the, 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 the storied history dating back to 1980 with uh, Joe Montana, 80 and into 81 and such, when he took over in 80 as the rookie quarterback and then 81 knocked out the Cincinnati Bengals, a very different Bengals team than they were in 1988. Um, interesting, amazing history with that club. Uh, I love the 80s 49ers. I just love them. The fan base is as arrogant, uh, arrogant as it gets, but, you know, Kansas City Chiefs fans are kind of obnoxious, uh, very obnoxious, but I, I guess that's just life these days. Everybody's obnoxious. Packer fans are the worst ever, insufferable. Uh, certain Viking fans probably aren't so great either, I'm sure. But uh, God bless our purple faithful out there. Be classy. Don't uh, lower yourself to the Packer fans or whoever else. Or just any crappy fan of another team. Eagles fans especially. That's another one that just, you know, you could just go back and forth forever. But I'd much rather see San Francisco win this game. And it's not even that. It's not even like a rooting interest. It'd be cool to see Kansas City win in a, in a way. But the reason why it would suck would be what I already described to you just now. Um, I just think San Francisco is a little better. I think they're going to find a way to stop, or at least frustrate, uh, as weird as this might sound, find a way to stop Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, it's like, yeah, sure, right? They're going to find a way, though. I think they're going to find a way to get this done. It won't be the easiest game ever. I don't think it's going to be 20, uh, 37-20. And I sure as hell don't think Kansas City is going to blow out the 49ers. I don't think so. This game will not be at Arrowhead. It will not be at Levi Stadium. It'll be in Miami. So neither one of these teams is going to have that home field advantage that's going to kill the other one. So that's one thing you have to think about as well. There is no home field here this time around. No no safe confines of this place or that place. So either team could struggle and end up losing the game at the end of the day. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it'll be a very close game. I could expect something, maybe a game of runs, kind of like Baltimore-San Francisco, where San Francisco took, or excuse me, Baltimore took a significant lead. And then San Francisco came right back in it. Baltimore started making mistakes again there after that power outage that uh, really killed the momentum. San Francisco came rolling back in, and they were just a tip, you know, fingertip away from clinching a Super Bowl championship. Uh, that would have been amazing. But uh, that's not what happened. And Baltimore ended up winning the day. Happy for Joe Flacco. Happy for crazy people <laughs> as well. I didn't want to get into that anymore. But uh, I was especially happy for uh, John Harbaugh. Just seemed like a... You know, I mean, especially happy for him, but I would have been very happy for Jim Harbaugh as well. Uh, the Harbaugh Bowl last time around. But this time it's the Sea of Red Bull. And my personal belief is the San Francisco 49ers win Super Bowl 54. Whew. And there will be a lot of points scored in that game. Um, a significant amount. I don't think Kansas City is going to get 50 points, though. I don't think they're going to get 40 points. 
I could see something along the lines of 34-31, maybe. And if Kansas City wins, it's going to be, uh, they're going to be scoring, it'll be a higher scoring game. If it's a slightly lower scoring game, I think San Francisco wins out today because their defense is just beautiful. Beautiful defense. And again, with the way San Francisco can run the ball, I think they that's that's the edge they have. Obviously, their running game is better than Kansas City's, and Kansas City has the best passing game in the NFL. It's that simple. Obviously, we know why. We already know why they have the best passing game in the NFL. It's like, duh. Uh, and Baltimore would have had a, a little bit of both there. The best running quarterback ever, and a guy who gets who threw 37, uh, 36 touchdown passes as well. But he got absolutely contained by the uh, and bottled up by the Tennessee Titans a week ago. Still shocked about that one. Uh, 49ers are going to win the game, though. I think let's go with thirty-one to twenty-seven, something like that. They'll run the they'll be running the ball out late in the game. They'll get a key first down. It'll kind of finish things. But I do believe they're going to force Patrick Mahomes into a fumble. At least that'll be very, very crucial. A very crucial point in the game that'll really turn the tide. Maybe very early, that'll put the 49ers in, uh, you know, at the goal line or in the red zone, so to speak. And the 49ers end up scoring a touchdown, not a field goal in that situation. Uh, that's my belief that the 49ers force multiple turnovers, an interception, maybe a fumble for sure, and I think a fumble from another player. I do think Patrick Mahomes has a turnover or two in the game, and the Garoppolo is good enough. Don't be surprised if he throws an interception in the game. Do not be surprised at all. But I think the running game and the defense will end up winning out at the end for the San Francisco 49ers. If the Chiefs win the game, it's because Patrick Mahomes is just too much. It's just that simple. He's too much. He's too successful. He's too red hot. Tyreek Hill gets loose. This and that. Uh, The running game is not much to really write home about, but the passing game is legendary right now in Kansas City, and again, if the Chiefs win, it's Patrick Mahomes without a doubt. Patrick Mahomes brings home the uh, most valuable player, unless a defensive player in Kansas City pulls off like multiple pick sixes or something. Something crazy ends up happening, and uh, Kansas City Chiefs end up winning the Super Bowl that way. You know, something like that, but it's not going to be anybody other than Patrick Mahomes on the offense, I don't think. Again, unless it's Tyreek Hill just goes ape crap. Like, every ball he touches, he runs you know, 60, 70 yards down the field into the end zone, something like that, like a quick screenplay or something, and away he goes. That might be the other possibility. But uh, I do believe the uh, 49ers win it. Might be a, a Nick Bosa type of situation. It might be a uh, George Kittle. That's the cool part, too. You're going to have George Kittle on San Francisco side, Travis Kelsey on Kansas City side. Both teams have awesome tight ends, and maybe one of those guys brings home the MVP. But uh, more than likely, I think the MVP for San Francisco would be <laughs> Mustard again. I think Mustard might get the MVP for San Francisco or some kind of great defensive play. Otherwise, the only other offensive weapon for Kansas City that would probably get it, other than Patrick Mahomes, would be uh, Travis Kelsey. That's my belief. Like, maybe he just has the game of his life. And uh, Mahomes is just in stride. For some reason, 49ers can't contain Travis Kelsey. And um, Chiefs end up winning it, like, higher scoring game, like 37 to 34, something like that. But it's going to be a close game, a very close game. The higher scoring it gets, Kansas City wins. The lower scoring it is, San Francisco wins the game. Uh, that's that's just, they'll be playing right into each other's game there. If it's a shootout, Kansas City's going to win, probably. But I guess San Francisco won a shootout against New Orleans, so anything's possible. My belief remains, San Francisco wins this thing by three or four points down the stretch. One possession game, they get a key first down. 
with uh, no timeouts remaining for the Chiefs and Andy Reid and Co. go home again with no uh, Super Bowl. And Kansas City would lose their second Super Bowl because they lost Super Bowl number one many, many, many moons ago to Bart Starr and the Green Bay Packers. So no State Farm Super Bowl, no rematch of Super Bowl one. It will be Kansas City, San Francisco, a Joe Montana, Sea of Red type of Super Bowl which a lot of people were hoping for many years ago, Steve Young versus Joe Montana in the Super Bowl, but that just was not meant to be. Would have been cool, uh, 93 maybe, but that 93 Niners team wasn't up to it. Dallas just rolled all over them. It just wasn't a good game, and the Chiefs just could not get past the Buffalo Bills for some reason. So sometimes that's just how it goes. With that said, you heard my pick, you heard my decision, and that will be segment number two. Uh, otherwise, we'll be joining Dave Martin, and others in fan interaction. Multiple call-ins from Dave Martin <laughs> leading into this one. So we'll be back right after this. Greetings, Joey. Hope I find you well. Well, here we are. But We go from... Um, positivity and optimism on Monday to the grim reality a few days later. Um, what did we see? We saw a team that basically, I think, was perhaps running on empty emotionally and perhaps even physically. Um, it's tough to go all the way down to the deep south, win, come back to Minneapolis and then trundle over to the far west and play a team that obviously had had 13 days off and was fresh and certainly up for this game. Um, the 49ers played the kind of football that the Purple have been trying to play for a long time. The difference being that uh, the 49ers have an O-line that can do it. And here we are, that usual issue, the O-line. So many years now where the O-line has let down what fundamentally is a you know a very good offence. Um, they weren't able to get Cook going at all yesterday, which was horrendous. And that, in essence, shut the whole game down for them. Um, so where are we? What do we do? Um, going to be a tough draft. Cap space is somewhat limited. Who are they going to keep? A lot of free agents, but it's pretty clear, isn't it? Um, O-line has to be fixed. Otherwise, we're going to be in this situation again. It's, it's disappointing, but equally, it was expected. I didn't really believe they'd get past the Saints. Although I, I, I kind of felt, you know... That, why not? Why can't they do it? If they can get everything going, then there's no reason. Um, this week, they didn't get it going, did they? And there was too much onus put on the defence to try and hold the line. Uh, and when you're basically getting two to one in time, you haven't got a hope in hell. Anyway, Joey, um, you take it easy. And Skull Brothers and Sisters, I look forward to today's podcast with uh, interest. Take it easy. Uh, greetings, Joey. Um, just catching up with the podcast, very aptly titled um, So Far Away, which unfortunately I think we probably are. Um, does that make me a negative fan and perhaps not a fan? I'd like your take on that, that anybody that dares to criticise isn't a true believer. Um, let's be honest, I think we've all emotionally vested in this team for years, and I'm sure anybody that listens to the podcast is in the same situation. So as far as I'm concerned, that's a load of bollocks financially. I've invested a lot of time and money in following this team over the years so if i choose to be negative um that's my right as it is anybody else that has followed this team in many years so well said my friend you know there are a heck of a lot of 
big decisions to be made in this off-season. I mean, Kirk Cousins, do you extend him? Um, the, the problem is with Kirk Cousins, he, he's the sort of player that has a skill set that was in vogue a decade ago, you know. Um, and, and offensively, the game has evolved, as, as you would expect it to do. And you, you look at it, you know, and we've got a guy that isn't mobile. He relies on play action and bootlegs and the run game. And if the run game gets shut down, then what do you see? You saw nothing offensively. We just ground to a halt on Saturday and that was horrendous. You know, you need a quarterback that can survive pressure because whether you've got the best offensive line in the business, there are times where the D is going to get pressure on them. And and you you look at those players now like Jackson in Baltimore or um, Patrick Mahomes that can find ways to extend the play by a second or even two seconds and can get down the field or they can find somebody open. And that is something that, sadly, uh, Kirk Cousins cannot do. Um, Russell Wilson, you know, he's getting paid £35 million and he deserves every penny of it. He's played behind horrendous O-lines and he's found ways to win. Um, again, you could say that about Rodgers, couldn't you? you know, again, another player that can get out of the pocket and extend the play and deliver a, a crushing blow. And that is something Cousins cannot do. I mean, however you look at it, it's, it's a nightmare this off-season. I think if, because obviously there's going to be players going, because they have no choice. If, if they can do the cuts, they might have £30 million in cap room by the ten time they've sort of got rid of a lot of these these players. Or, um, you know, renegotiated their uh, contracts. And then there's Dalvin Cook, isn't there? Um, you know, you're already paying big, big money for your quarterback. Can you pay big money for a running back? And, you know, it's one of those positions in this game where <laughs> there's not a long lifespan, is there? And, and even in saying that, sometimes when these guys do get paid big money, they lose their motivation. I mean, it's a massive risk when they've got so little cap money to pay with. And personally, I'm, pro- I'm probably in a minority that I feel you let Cook go. You've got, you know, you've got Alexander Matheson sitting behind him and I don't feel there's a massive drop-off between the two players. Um, and, of course, there's the other chestnut, isn't there? Um, you've got what happens if the head coach does change next year. You've, you've basically, if you've signed Cook to a huge contract, um, you're hand-stringing that guy to a, a, a very difficult position. I mean, the thing is, I don't envy the Wolves there. That what, what decisions they've got to make this off season, or or perhaps they hang fire to the end of end of the twenty twenty season and uh, let the cousins Zimmer and Spielman contracts play out and go from there. If they don't deliver next season, then yeah, maybe it's time for a reboot and a complete change. I mean, the thing with Zimmer is, I think he's going to have to earn every cent of his salary this season with the defense because I don't believe they can go into the draft and, and use the one and two on uh, cornerbacks. Um, surely, you know, you've got Cousins, who is this system quarterback that's going to need better protection if he's going to be successful. So you, you're going to have to invest more in that O-line. You know, there's no two ways about it, as far as I can see. I mean, you know, one thing's for sure, Joey, is that the 2020 Vikings starting lineup is going to be significantly different. Um and I say, you know, Zimmer's going to have to work his magic on the defence to try and keep it a top-ten defence. If he can't do that, I don't honestly believe this team can make the playoffs next year. And if that's the case, then I think, I think the whole front office is gone. And, you know, I would hate a team that isn't competitive. But perhaps um, 
from a long-term perspective, you, you have a couple of seasons where you, you aren't very good and you build a team that can finally get us over the hump of winning a Super Bowl. It's gonna, I say, Joe, it's going to be an interesting season. I could say lots more, but I think I've already said plenty and eaten plenty of time into your podcast. Um, take care, my friend. Uh, Skull brothers and sisters. And we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be interesting. And as always, I can't thank you enough. Uh, Mad Martin, Dave Martin out of Northern Scotland. That is a voice for radio. Spectacular. Uh, love what you bring to the show every time. Never think it's too much. Never think you're taking too much time into the podcast. You have what I call a green light, my friend. You have the green light. And uh, you took it on this show big time. Generally speaking, going to let him have the floor. I, it's probably not good radio if I just only comment on back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But I will absolutely say the big take of that whole thing. Now, as there were several, of course, the offensive line, the Kirk Cousins situation, stuff that you know we've been going back and forth with most of the season, is uh, possibly moving on with Delvin Cook uh, because of the contract he's going to demand. That's one thing I definitely got to highlight on what uh, <clears throat> Mad Martin said, Dave Martin. And I believe, yes, I believe that was something I was considering as well. Um, that quite possibly, you know, obviously there is a drop-off from Madison, from Cook to Madison and all that, but it's not that much of a drop-off. It's not like the end of the world, this and that. Look at San Francisco. Did San Francisco have a Delvin Cook? Did San Francisco have a Terrell Davis, so to speak? Mustard emerged for a reason. I mean, he emerged because, well, the offense is set for him, and it's a good offensive line in front of him. A good scheme from Kyle Shanahan. And uh, Alexander Madison, obviously, is two years younger than Delvin Cook, and he does bring a hell of a lot to this team, and who's to say the Vikings can't draft another running back? Who's to say a free agent running back isn't somebody that could be something? So, I mean, it can happen. The Vikings could draft another running back, and they've been pretty successful in drafting running backs lately. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, Delvin Cook, and Alexander Madison. That's a pretty good trio right there in recent memory when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings drafting running backs. And, of course, Adrian Peterson back in 2007. Uh, the Jerick McKinnon pick was a beauty, an absolute beauty. I loved that one, and it ended up being a great one. Um, so the possibility, and again, because it's an unfair situation with running backs in the NFL. Running backs literally have the, the uh, initials NFL written right on them because of not for long. They're a huge part of football. Obviously, you have uh, Walter Payton being the historical part of the NFL that he's been, Emmitt Smith, Barry Sanders. You can talk about them forever and ever and ever. They are the NFL. And unfortunately, there's the other side of the NFL, not for long. And with running backs, they're the ultimate not for long. Um, certain guys hang on a little too long, and they've kind of forced their way into the top five of the uh, all-time rushing list, Adrian Peterson, guys like that. And other guys that are just durable and they last and last and last, like Frank Gore and Curtis Martin. Curtis Martin years ago. So uh, guys like that. So it's an interesting situation there developing. Because here's the one major thing. Not only is that a not for long with running backs, this and that, and you don't want to commit $100 million like you did to Adrian Peterson and such. But Delvin Cook has just shown time and time and time and time and time and time and time again that he cannot stay healthy. It is an insane frustration for every Viking fan. It is an insane frustration. Kind of like it was with Percy Harvin. Here he comes out there ready to go. Kickoff return, 80 yards, touchdown, which is something the Vikings have been lacking too. I think we could hopefully get that in the offseason somehow in some way. Some type of special teams returner would be really freaking nice, wouldn't it? Just something. Please, Lord. Some type of special teams return game. 
that has just been non-existent. It ain't Marcus Sherrill's anymore. That guy's not going to return a kick for this team again. It's it's all she wrote at this point when it comes to Marcus Sherrill's returning kick, punts and all that. Is uh, He couldn't even hang on to the ball anymore. It's just, I, I don't know. And the eye was kind of windy in San Francisco, whatever. But he didn't have that problem before. Yeah, sometimes a guy is done. Sometimes the time is up, and it just is what it is. Plus, it's nice if you can have a position player uh, be a kick returner that's actually a good one. Uh, the best thing we had all season was Mike Hughes, and he's the guy that's also shown to be injury-prone. Yeah, I mean, both years, he ended up having a season-ending injury. So, whatever. Dalvin Cook didn't have a season-ending injury, but it ate up a lot of time this year. Uh, second year last year, it was just kind of an ongoing back and forth, his hamstring, this and that, the knee was still not 100%, and then this, and then that, and then the pitch count, and blah, 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 blah. The only time Delvin Cook was really ready to rock and roll was, of course, 2017, when it was just kablooey. He was spectacular, and then he had the ACL, and of course, this year, early off in the season, he was unbelievable, but then it was just out, and he was out, and he was out, and he was out, and it was so damn frustrating. So, that's, uh, something to talk about in the offseason. How much you want to commit to him? I mean, can you commit, you know, like a like a gigantic contract that he's going to want, a Ezekiel Elliott type of contract? You just don't do that. I don't know. I, I and, and it's unfortunate because he really is a star. Ezekiel Elliott is a star. Guys like that, they deserve money just like Stephon Diggs, just like other guys. But, I mean, it should be a Stephon Diggs type of contract if you're going to do it. You're going to commit long term. You know, the 70 million range, not the 100 crap, because it's just, he's not a $100 million player. He's not going to last as long as Stefan Diggs is. And it's just the way it is. So it kind of is what it is at the end of the day. So to still give him a Stefan Diggs contract, even though he's not going to last as long, kind of evens out. Uh, it kind of evens out. Cook is the better player, but odds are he's not going to last as long, and obviously he's not as durable. Heck, even Diggs was injury prone as all get out for the longest time. That's why he couldn't even get a thousand yards. So, but still a major commitment went his way. So, yep, I yeah, did comment quite a bit on that one because that was a big, big take uh, that maybe not everybody agrees with, but a lot of people will. A lot of people do agree with it, but not everybody, that type of thing. want to thank Tanae Brown, Vinrock Vince Germano, and Malcolm McSween for retweeting the most recent show. Thank you very much. Episode 212 seems so far away, and it really is. Uh, 49ers are way better than the Vikings right now. Kansas City Chiefs, well, they beat the Vikings without... Patrick Mahomes, but that was a road game, just like the 49ers game, and um, I don't know, he could just go on forever. We need a better quarterback. As good as Kirk Cousins is, he has special skills that he doesn't have the special skill. He doesn't have the it factor. It looked like he did for a minute there in New Orleans. You like that, and that was good. I did like it, but was it enough? Apparently not. Uh, Tanae Brown is out of New Zealand. Vinrock Vince Germano out of Australia. Great basketball show called the Courtside Podcast. He's one of three members of that show. Awesome basketball show, the Courtside Podcast. And Malcolm McSween out of California. Thank you so much for the retweets and the likes. Also, Gerald String, Nebraska, liking that along with Malcolm McSween. Thank you, guys. All legends part of this show. Mad Martin, Northern Scotland. Quite familiar name, right? Quite a familiar name. Yep, and again, thank you so much for always adding to the show. You're You're awesome. Uh, he says, very aptly titled this week. Indeed, we are so very far away. Yep, and I was trying to stay away from the old saying, so close and so far away. There was no so close. It's not about so close. It's just we're so far away. That was the whole point. Yep, so yep, that's why it was aptly titled. Thank you, Mad Martin. Uh, he says, no worries, brother. Yeah, because I mess, missed uh, the call-in last week. So that's why there were two call-ins this week. There was the fresh one just now about Delvin Cook and such. 
Uh, and of course, the frustration in the first one, just how truly far away we were. That's where uh, Mad Martin was saying again in the first uh, call-in and how just we got absolutely drubbed by San Francisco. And Well, at least we got drubbed by an NFC possibly Super Bowl champion, not by a team that got smoked the next week. That's when you know you stink and you're not that serious. Um, so I can't say the Vikings stink and aren't serious. I can just say, though, that we're, we're far away. You know, we're far away. We wouldn't beat Kansas City or San Francisco right now. And if you can't beat Kansas City or San Francisco, you're not winning the Super Bowl right now. Uh, Mad Martin says, no worries, brother. Listening to the podcast now, good takes. I have to wonder, does Zimmer have a ceiling? Been thinking that for some time. He'll, uh, hell of a comeback from KC. And yes, it was 24 points, and he was applauding that comeback. Uh, what was I saying? I was saying I didn't realize there were more call-ins. I'm really sorry for that. They will definitely be on the next show and certainly as valid as before. Because, yes, they are. Uh, and it was just, you know, it was still a current thing. The Vikings losing to San Francisco. So anybody can talk about that the rest of the offseason. It's still valid. I mean, it's still the most recent game until the preseason at the very least. <clears throat> Mad Martin says, after drafting the next Tom Brady, still need an O-line to protect him. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, like your insight into the game and no team, uh, team, no BS. And yes, I never BS around. I don't think it's worth it. Uh, and yes, we do need an O-line desperately. Uh, you probably got to replace Riley Reef. I think you do. He's okay. But that's another position where free agency doesn't work. Free agency does not work. With a quarterback, maybe once in a blue moon it works in terms of it's like an unexpected type of a Brett Favre type of thing. Like you just kind of bring him in when he was on the bench in Atlanta and he's just he's available and you bring him in and then boom, he ends up exploding. Shocking the world. That type of thing. That's the only way where free agency works when it's completely unexpected. Kind of like Tom Brady in the sixth round. Uh, you don't think of sixth round quarterbacks leading your team to six Super Bowls. It's amazing how those two numbers are together there. It's just unbelievable. Vikings also drafted very well in the sixth round uh, at the center position historically, Matt Burke. And uh, Again, John Sullivan, pretty good draft picks there. Uh, Matt Burke was a hell of a center boy, and Sullivan as well. <sighs> Last couple of centers we drafted, not so great so far. Pat Elfline looks more and more disappointing than ever as a guard. Uh, he was okay. He was actually really good as a center as a rookie, and then ever since has been disappointing that injury, that serious ankle injury he had, and neck injuries, and just he's been oft injured, and he's been extremely disappointing. He was lousy as a guard last year, very lousy. Riley Reef just mediocre, just kind of mediocre and very expensive. You don't sign. See, when you're going to sign a left tackle, it's you're re-signing a guy that ended up being a really good draft pick. That you know for a lot of money. That's when you sign your left tackle for a lot of money. Free agency, it just never works. Um, it just never works. Guys, just uh, you know, and, unless you're really super lucky, where a guy is an established star and he comes to your team, and odds are that just doesn't happen. Those teams usually protect that guy and want to keep him around forever. Because you need him. Uh, when you have a really damn good left tackle, you don't want to see him go. You don't. Corey Stringer would have never left the Vikings, but the poor guy didn't survive the, the, the training camp in 2001. He was a hell of a freaking player and only 27 years old. I still get sad thinking about that one. That's a long time ago. Uh, Mad Martin says, already done another call-in, but have more to add, and you are absolutely right. If you have an honest opinion on this team, the Purple Kool-Aid Brigade starts shooting you down. Yeah, and it's really frustrating. It really is. Um, it really is. Uh, and I do thank you for that, that call-in that you did. That was awesome. That second one was so good. Um, the first one was really good, too. Uh, again, the Twitter account is at Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show. 
Mad Martin, yet another one, says, already taking shit for this. You cannot have blind faith. This team does not seem able to make the uh, that next uh, the next step. Simmer wants to run the ball in case you don't overlook the O-line year after year. Is a new direction needed? And I'm not being negative. And I think it's absolutely okay to question that. Is a new direction needed? I, I think so. I think a new direction could be needed or just something. Malcolm McSween was responding to me uh, because I was uh, annoyed with uh, <laughs> I was annoyed with where where is the tweet? I don't even see the tweet anywhere. Um, I was just annoyed with uh, let's see if this could pop up. There it is. Richard Sherman pissed off about the hiring of Kevin Stefanski saying wow, just wow, just wow. I guess I should have expected it. What I don't like about that tweet is I know what he's saying right there. I just read between the lines. You know, not everything is the worst case scenario. You can't always just assume that's why. Automatically, oh, they hired, yeah, they hired Kevin Stefanski for that one reason and not this, you know, again, the uh, <laughs> the 49ers uh, defensive coordinator, Salah. Uh, he's a hell of a coach, and I'm sure he's happy as hell to be there. And they sure seem to enjoy their time there winning that NFC Championship today. They were very happy. Uh, Shanahan and him there working together, getting that thing done. I don't know. I mean, I get it that you want to see that guy hired. You respect the man. But don't make it about that topic all the time. You you can't always suspect that. I think that's just, you know, that's... It's okay to have that opinion, I guess. It's okay, but I just think it's... I think you're treading on dangerous waters there. I mean, you, you can't always assume that. You can't. And I don't think that's what's going on. I really don't. A lot of people like to say it is. I'm, I don't agree. Sometimes it, it just is what it is. They liked Kevin Stefanski a year ago. Uh, he was the second choice. They, they were probably basically, it's like a rebound. You're rebounding in a situation. It, it's a rebound where Kevin Stefanski was the finalist with Freddie Kitchens. And they said, okay, let's go with Kitchens. Now they're like, yeah, let's give Kevin Stefanski a chance. We really screwed this up. Uh, look how good he's doing in Minnesota. Oh, we should have given Kevin Stefanski a chance. I don't think that's what they were doing. And plus, please, Richard Sherman and others out there that might agree with him, analyze the situation. Do they want to bring in a defensive coordinator necessarily, a defensive-minded coach, which doesn't necessarily mean he's the wrong choice necessarily. But look at the look at the big picture here. What's going on in Cleveland? Let's see, they have Odell Beckham Jr., who, I don't know, I'd sure as hell... I'd assume cutting the guy as, as obnoxious as he is. He's a troublemaker, but with his behavior, not for any other reason, but his behavior. But uh, if you're going to keep him around and you have a guy by the name of uh, Baker Mayfield as your quarterback, you know, <laughs> and other players, Landry, Chubbs, guys like that, that offense has a chance to be really good. And you need somebody in there to keep that offense in line. And pray to God that Kevin Stefanski is that guy. I think you need an offensive-minded head coach who can hopefully bring in a very good offensive coordinator as well to work with him uh, to kind of rein that in. Because Freddie Kitchens did a terrible job last year in that in that category. That offense underachieved so greatly. Do you, is bringing in a defensive coach going to help Baker Mayfield or is bringing in a def, an offensive coach going to help Baker Mayfield? I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. You know? 
And unfortunately, Miles Garrett, see, that's a defensive player who was really good. Who knows when he's going to be eligible to play again for the Cleveland Browns. That's on the defensive side. They have a pretty good defense. They have a pretty good defense, and I don't know, maybe they're not, they weren't in a hurry to move on from the defensive coordinator there. Maybe not. Uh, Kevin Stefanski, though, I don't think he's a bad hire. I don't know if he's a great hire yet. It could happen. And I don't think it's necessarily for that reason. I, I just, I don't want to get into that stuff because I think that's, I think that's dangerous, dangerous territory. I really do. And I think it creates unnecessary fighting all over the place. I don't think that's a peaceful way to handle things. It's just, it's just asking for an argument. And I don't like it very much. I'm not a big fan of all that kind of stuff. Uh, Malcolm McSween, I was basically saying you talk a lot, but at the end of the day, it's all talk, especially when you flat out lied about Baker Mayfield. And again, who's Baker Mayfield? Again, that's the guy on Cleveland that Kevin Stefanski was brought in to deal with. That's the reason why they brought in Kevin Stefanski. That's the reason. They didn't bring him in because they're something else. Now, you don't have to agree with me out there. I'm not a bad person. I promise you I'm not a bad person. I just don't like constant controversy, like battling, battling, battling. When I just think Richard Sherman has a chip on his shoulder a, a little bit too much. That's why I'm not a big fan of the guy. Too much of a chip on his shoulder. And it, it's just, it shows and it keeps showing. Just play the game. You know, I mean, you don't have to agree with everything that happens out there. You don't have to agree with it. You have every right to have an opinion. But sometimes it's just, there's just a little bit too much anger mixed in. And the anger is not a good thing in this world. I, I don't think it's necessary all the time. Not all the time. Well, it's not... I don't know. Malcolm McSween says he's upset the Niners DC did not get the Browns head coaching job. And yep, I mean, but I was saying he likes to stir up controversy and a lot of times it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's... I, I just don't think it's always a good idea. Go ahead and say what you want about me. You don't have to agree with what I'm saying. You don't, you don't have to, but uh, I... I, I I don't think it's necessary all the time. It's just sometimes chill out. Cooler heads prevail. Look at it that way, okay? Cooler heads prevail. Not trying to be disrespectful. Uh, Tanae Brown posts an uh, interesting thing where he says, no, this is interesting. Thoughts? St. Paul, Minneapolis St. Paul Athletics. In two seasons with the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins has 18 wins. More wins than Brett Favre, 17. Christian Ponder, 14. Teddy, 17. Randall Cunningham, 16. Sam Bradford, 9. And T-Jack with 10. All played between two to four years. That's interesting. Ah, that is interesting. Tell me again how we'll magically get someone better anytime soon. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, Brett Favre, see, that's the thing. It, that team was completely messed up. Uh, it's just hard to explain what even happened in 2010. That was just a team that came in with a completely wrong attitude. 1999, they came in with the wrong attitude as well, and things got turned around with Jeff George. Cunningham did not finish that season. Brett Favre actually didn't finish 2010. Christian Ponder was terrible, so that's, you know, what it is. Teddy, oh man, Teddy was a rookie in 14. He only got to play in 15 after that, and never played again for the Vikings. He just played a couple snaps against Cincinnati. Sam Bradford, same thing, he played one season, one year. Um, oh, and he played one game against the uh, the Saints. That was a good one. That's that ninth win. That was a team that greatly underachieved as well. Uh, and he had no line in front of him. T-Jack with 10 wins. Yeah, because, you know, that was a really rotten era for the Vikings. And, of course, he had injuries as well. And also, his poor play put him on the bench. <sighs> I don't know. It, it's an interesting stat. It's an interesting stat and everything. 
uh, St. Paul Athletics. Very interesting. It, it does create some debate a little bit. I don't expect us to magically get someone better, necessarily. But, I don't know. You saw the game. You saw the Green Bay game twice this year. You saw San Francisco. <sighs> to tell me that that's the best you can do, I, I don't know. I I don't know. Um, he's He's got... I just wish the son of a gun was more mobile and could sense pressure a little better. That would really help. It would really help, but um, that still doesn't mean he's worth $28 million either. How many of those guys made $28 million? Randall Cunningham did not. Sam Bradford made a lot, but he didn't make that much. T-Jack never came close. Ponder never came close. Teddy never came close. Favre made $20 million. But um, again, that year was beyond disappointing. Guys were a little older. Guys were... Guys had the wrong attitude coming into that season. And it just seems like every time you go to the NFC title game, the following year is a big flop. And that's kind of what took place. Uh, Cunningham, 99, just woof You know, he wasn't even close to the same guy. So I, I, I don't know what to say. It's, it's, it's a very interesting just, uh, statistic that creates a lot of uh, thoughts. It, it does. It, it, you know, it makes your mind wander a little bit. But I don't expect us to, get a ma- to magically get someone better. But hopefully via the draft, long-term, long-term, there is there is better. Uh, somebody who is a legitimate franchise quarterback. I know you're swinging for the stars. You're swinging for the bleachers. Look how good Matt Stafford was at Detroit, and they can't even get out of the first round of the playoffs. So there's that. Matt Martin was saying, I hope not when I was saying, I hope Tennessee wins it all. Um, or I'm telling you, Tennessee's going all the way. Matt Martin said, I hope not. He must have been rooting for the Chiefs, which is fine. <laughs> he says it shows the front office has a major problem at finding a long-term solution at the most important position. That would be the Vikings, of course. Uh, and that was a conversation with, yep, yeah, that's where he, he responded with uh, uh, Tene Brown there. I was saying it's weird and kind of bad at the same time, considering how bad 2010 was for Brett Favre. Otherwise, he would have been way ahead. Yeah, you know, and the Vikings have struggled at bringing in quarterbacks forever and ever and ever. That's the Twitter account. Kind of busy, believe it or not. Even though it wasn't, but it was. Like, busy conversation. Lots of stuff to talk about there. There is a, uh, a funny post from, uh, now as we head into the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. MN Vikings Haven, quick shout out to them as well. Thank you for allowing me to post links to the Purple Mafia Show on that page. MN Vikings Haven, Vikings Conversation on that Facebook page as well. Trevor Wicker in the founder of that page. Uh, what was it? A post from Gerald Sring fairly recently. I didn't talk about it on last show when I showed up. It was kind of a funny thing. The new Vikings mascot. It said Rick Schmidt. That was kind of funny. Uh, dancing around, singing "Go Skull Vikings, Let's Win This Game. The Vikings fight song. Pretty goofy. Out on a deck there in the winter time. Dancing around. Oh, Lord. So, comments on the last show. Comments on the last show. Gerald Sring says, awesome show as usual. You do a great job presenting all the emotion that we all feel every single season when it seems like no matter who the owner, GM, coach, quarterback is, it's just the same old results. I've always felt it is about uh, one-fourth system, one-fourth talent, one-fourth extra effort, one-fourth luck. Maybe I'm light on the luck part. What can you say? Another season's shot down in flames. But there's always next year. And we will all be here backing up our team, just like we always do. Skull, PM Nation. Joey, thanks for the extra effort. Love the longer versions of your show. And yeah, last week was a long one. There was a lot of emotion, and you did get my emotion. That was genuine. 
That was not me acting out anything, as uh, I'm sure Gerald understands and knows that. Yeah, but uh, to anybody new to the show, I was not acting. That is exactly how I felt. And whew, I mean, uh, sometimes it's good to bring the emotion in to really show and uh, get the feeling of what a lot of Minnesota Viking fans feel after yet another just, you know, just another butt kicking in the second round and you're a million miles away when you thought maybe, just maybe, it was a season of destiny, which it just wasn't. It just wasn't. Uh, Defensive coordinator George Edwards not returning. Bring me the news. Cedric Paulding out of Mississippi says, doesn't Zimmer call the defense? We need a total overhaul on offensive coaching staff. Uh, So, yes. So he's basically saying, like, who cares? Uh, You know, we're going to probably bring in somebody who doesn't even call it anyway. And I I agree with you, Cedric. That's pretty much what's going to happen. It's going to be either Adam Zimmer or uh, Andre Patterson, most likely, and someone else will move up into the, uh, the linebacker coach or defensive line position underneath those guys. So we'll see what happens. Brett McCarthy, South Dakota, says time for some change on that side of the ball. It's been disappointing. And, of course, again, Mr. Jim Gray, no longer the uh, secondary coach for the Minnesota Vikings as well. Secondary defensive coach. So we'll move on with that. I was talking about, uh, I posted from YouTube, Walter Payton, best running back ever. I encourage each and every one of you to watch that video. It is uh, so because you constantly hear in the local media. I'll even read what I said here. I was saying, don't let anyone ever tell you that the NFL in the old days was boring. Don't let any of these young people in the media brainwash you into believing that this flat lie. Just because the quarterback wasn't hurling the ball down the field every 10 seconds doesn't mean it was garbage football. No one will ever replace players like this, ever. Uh, there will never be another Walter Payton. I mean, you sit and watch the creativity of Walter Payton. You watch this 10-minute video, and the music adds to it. The music is just so cool. Sweetness, Walter Payton. The movement, the creativity of Walter Payton on that field. You're telling me that's boring to watch? Like, oh, what a boring brand of football. You know, the quarterback threw the ball only 10 times. But then you sit down and watch that, and you'll educate yourself, those of you that maybe were are, are much younger, it's nice to see Patrick Mahomes hurling the ball down the field. It's nice to see him breaking tackles and everything. But then you watch Walter Payton with the creativity. There, There isn't a running back in the league today that can do that. Nobody close. I mean, precision, movement, creativity, high IQ, inability to bring him down. You could just go on forever. And explosiveness, and ability to catch the ball way down the field as well, which is a highlight play. And the ability to throw touchdown passes on some of those little trick plays. Those are awesome. Uh, An accurate arm, boy. Accurate throwing arm from Walter Payton. Highly encourage you to watch it. Highly, highly, highly. Uh, Dave Hickey out of Iowa says, Even me being a Viking fan, I still believe Payton was the best all-around running back ever. And there's nothing boring about watching Barry Sanders. Nothing. Yep, I, I agree completely. Those two guys are the best to ever play the game, I think. Quite possibly the best athletes to ever play in the National Football League. Walter Payton and Barry Sanders. Uh, there's a reason why they're at the top. I mean, and Barry Sanders, if he kept playing, too bad. You know, he would have been probably the best uh, statistic running back ever as well. Um, but Walter, to me, is the best ever. Barry's number two. And after that, maybe Emmett, because of his strength and consistency, and so on and so forth. Uh, so many great running backs over the years. Uh, I love what they bring to the game. I I feel for them. They, you know, as appreciated as they are, they're underappreciated as well because of, you know, by the time he's 29, 30 years old, he's going to be slowing down a bit. And you don't want to commit $100 million to him, even though he takes the brunt of a lot of the 
you know, the hits. And every time they go down with Joe Q linebacker defensive tackle, their knee might buckle, their ankle might buckle, their leg takes another beating, their their hamstring gets stretched, their quad gets smushed or stretched out. It's one thing after another that could happen, their calf muscle, you know. So funny stuff can happen to running backs. And when you get durable guys like Walter Payton, it's pretty cool stuff. Um, it was a crying shame his last year. He just it wasn't the same anymore. You know, he'd been banged up the year before after winning it all in 85. Uh, beautiful to see him get that done. Though in 1985, you know, it's a division rival, but the 85 Vikings were not serious about winning the Super Bowl. Uh, too bad that Tommy Kramer got hurt in 86, because maybe. And 87 was what it was, an amazing season that ended in a heartbreak at the in the uh, NFC title game. Championship Sunday. Shall we get to the game thread? Let's go for it. I was saying, I think I think Tennessee is going to win the entire enchilada. I've been on that opinion since they beat Baltimore, and unfortunately, it just didn't happen. I was saying, boy, do I look dumb. Uh, boy, do I look dumb about now. Not happy about this. It seems like every day I like the Chiefs a little bit less. Yep, something about the Chiefs. We'll see. But uh, hopefully, I don't. Hopefully, they don't bug me too much. Brad McCarthy responded to that one with, uh, "Mahomes is unreal," and yes, he is. Sebastian Barton, my man Cato, says I'll trade the next seven first-rounders for Mahomes, and wouldn't that be something? (laughs) Dave Hickey out of Iowa says this should be one hell of a battle. Skull Brothers, that would be the Super Bowl coming up. Mark Carlson, also Iowa Hall of Famer, like Dave Hickey and Sebastian Barton, says uh, lots of smoke and wreckage in San Francisco tonight. Holy cow, and yes, there was. Brett McCarthy, South Dakota, says, I'm still up in the air on this one. I hope the 49ers kick the Packers' arse. Pick the, kick the Packers' ass. First game is on, who do you like, Casey or Tennessee? And I like Tennessee, but it didn't work out. Brett McCarthy has uh, somebody standing over a, a body on the ground there with the Packer logo on it saying, LOL, is you dead? <laughs> 49ers, please hate the Packers. Looks like the Chiefs. Pat Rahomes is unreal. Jerry Hicks out of uh, St. Louis says, Go Chiefs. Yankee Zong out of Brooklyn Center says, Tennessee. And because I hate both NFC teams, but lesser evil be 49ers. I'd say much lesser evil. And I actually kind of like the 49ers because of their old history with Montana and even Steve Young, Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice was very active during that game. Looked uh, very much involved. Was having a lot of fun. So, uh, with that said, that pretty much is it for fan interaction. Been an awesome segment. It's still a fairly long show because of all the interaction and my mind wandering, and I had a lot to say like I always do because, well, that's that's radio. You, you, you better have something to say. And so did you guys have a lot to say. I appreciate that you did. Uh, gold star for this show has definitely got to go to Bad Barton. Unbelievable. Gold star with platinum lacing all over it and diamonds. <laughs> awesome show. Awesome show for you. Gerald Serene's going to ring in a, a, the, the silver. <sighs> Brett McCarthy, silver-plated bronze. Love you guys so much. Thank you so much. Uh, Cedric Pauling's going to also bring in a bronze. Liked what he had to say as well. Uh, awesome, awesome show. Thank you guys for being a part of things. Always, 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 always. And wish uh, Vikings could uh, ho- hopefully that the, we can get things together. Store up that offensive line. I know it's easier said than done. That's the problem. I mean, there's holes everywhere. Defensive backs. Offensive line. What do you do with Delvin Cook? What do you do with Kirk Cousins? Uh, at least we're set at punter and kicker, huh? At least we don't have to use a fifth-round pick on a kicker again because Dan Bailey needs to stay. Keep Dan Bailey, please. And please keep uh, Britton Colquitt. He did a great job. Britton Colquitt. 
You know, don't use a fifth round pick on another punter, please. Not necessary, or a sixth or a seventh round, unless you just absolutely love somebody to death. But I think Colquitt did a great job, and punters can go on for years and years. Just because he's in his 30s doesn't mean he's ancient. And uh, Bailey just got to like 30, right? So he's still got a long way ahead of him, uh, Dan Bailey. He could, he, he could kick in the league forever. Love that guy. Hope he can keep it coming. Uh, he did a great job. Dan Bailey, masterful job. Colquitt, masterful job. Uh, special teams were much more good. Or well, much more good. Sorry, that sounded really bad. They were just, you know, they executed so much better in the kicking game. Just unfortunately, the return game just wasn't there. Uh, the coverage game was okay. It was okay, but they had some weak moments, just like most special teams do, unfortunately, in the in the coverage department. So, with that said, it's been a you know it's been a nice ride. The Super Bowl should be very very good. It will be a sea of red, like I keep saying. It really will be, not involving the uh, Calgary Flames or anything. Maybe the Calgary Flames go to the Stanley Cup Finals, and we'll see a sea of red in the uh, Stanley Cup Final as well coming up in June. We'll see if that happens. I'd rather see that than, you know, like a, I don't know, than like Colorado in the Stanley Cup final or anything. Check out Brave the Wild if you'd like for some hockey conversation. With that said, again, there will be no show next week. Uh, I'm not a Pro Bowl basher. I think it's nice. I wish it was in Hawaii instead of Orlando, though. I'm not going to bash the Pro Bowl. Let them have fun and let let the NFL market it all they want. You know, people think, I don't care about your damn Pro Bowl. Eh, why trash it? You know, it's still a fun thing. It's still something. Obviously, there will be no reason to do a show about the Pro Bowl. You just hope no one gets hurt. You just hope guys have fun. It's. I think it'd be fun. If I was invited to go to the Pro Bowl and I wasn't, unfortunately, I wasn't fortunate enough to be part of the Super Bowl or anything, I'd, I'd go. I'd go. As long as I wasn't superly hurt, I'd go. Or I had some other major plan or something that I had to be at or just wanted to get away from people. Just the hell with it. I'd, I'd go. I think it'd be fun. Uh, especially if it was in Hawaii, damn it. <laughs> Bring it back to Hawaii. Screw Orlando. <laughs> Come on. Go to Tampa at least. At least Tampa if you're going to be in Florida. Come on. It's better than a freaking Orlando. That would be my only complaint about the Pro Bowl. Otherwise, trashing the Pro Bowl is... Ah, come on. You don't have to do that. I think there's no need for that. Uh, you don't need to celebrate it like it's the best thing ever either. I understand. With that said, again... Uh, thank you so much, Mad Martin and others, for such wonderful takes. Tanae Brown, Malcolm McSween, Gerald Sring, Cedric Paulding, Brett McCarthy. Always be in there. Love you, brother. Just love you. Thank you so much. Uh, keep them coming, guys. Uh, Jerry Hicks, all of you. Jerry Hicks, uh, don't hear from him as much as I used to years ago, but love it when I do. Love Jerry Hicks out of St. Louis. Uh, he even did a, uh, he was a pretty good singer as well. He did a Skull Viking song. He did a good job. I don't know where it is now. Uh, I remember I was mad with how awful the Vikings season was years ago, so I stopped playing it on the show. I was just mad, and then I never... I don't know where I put the darn file. It's in there somewhere. I probably could find it again someday. But unfortunately, I think it's on an old laptop on the other computer. So, Or, I mean, an old hard drive on another computer. That's the crappy part. So, with that said, again, hope you have a great week. couple weeks, anyway. Uh, enjoy some hockey. Until they go into the All-Star break, unfortunately. Enjoy some basketball until they go into the All-Star break. And, of course, we'll come back. Uh, Timberwolves Explosion podcast, Brave the Wild podcast. Check those out. Enjoy. And uh, we'll uh, talk to you in a couple weeks. And hopefully the 49ers bring it home. We'll see. But I'm sure some of you are cheering for the Chiefs instead.